Hi, I'm Howard Tierski. Welcome to the Winning Digital Customers podcast, where we focus on the stories of large-scale digital transformations told by the people who lead them. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Winning Digital Customers Podcast. I have a fantastic guest today, a great friend who has an amazing new edition of his book coming out. You're definitely going to want to hear about this. Please join me in welcoming the the infamous David <laughs> Meerman Scott. The um, infamous. Thank you, Howard. <laughs> David is the author of 12 books, including four international bestsellers, you quite possibly know him for having coined the term newsjacking, now a term in, I believe, the Oxford English Dictionary and maybe other dictionaries and certainly in the lexicon of many marketers. He is also the author, among many other books, of the New Rules of Marketing and PR, about to be released in its eighth edition, over a half a million copies in print. His books have been printed in over 30 languages. David speaks around the world. I know him from the world of Tony Robbins, where I've seen him speak to thousands and thousands of people and get people unbelievably inspired about how they can improve their marketing. Please join me in welcoming David, and I can't wait to talk to him about the new rules of marketing PR. David, thanks so much for being here. Oh, Howard, it's my pleasure. Always great to chat with you. Um, thanks for that super kind introduction. Can't wait to get to back to Tony Robbins in person. Hopefully that will happen later in the year. All these I'm virtual events, as you well know, they're good. Virtual events, nothing wrong with them, but I, I'm dying for the in-person events to start kicking back in. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't possibly agree more. Um, so let's talk about the new rules. Of mar- I, I guess you knew, or I'm wondering if you knew, when you, when you publish a book called the new rules of marketing and PR. Have you doomed yourself to having to do edition after edition after edition? Because, of course, whatever's new isn't going to stay new forever. Well, that's part of it. But more importantly, um, as you well know, because you've been talking about this for as long as I have, um, digital marketing, digital communications, um, the whole way that humans communicate is constantly upgrade. It's con- constantly evolving. And it's really important that um, I keep up with that and that my book, The New Rules of Marketing and PR, keeps up with that as well. I-, I was really lucky that the first edition back in 2007 was the um, first book that really talked about this idea of how marketing and public relations on the web is completely different than marketing and public relations offline. And the book went nutty in terms of how many it sold. It surprised the heck out of my publisher, Wiley. Um, and they went back to print, like it seemed like every two weeks or every month, they would go back to print over the first couple of, uh, uh, of the first year of the book. Um, and then, um, I wrote the first edition in 05 and 06, and it came out in mid-07, and people said, David, haven't you ever heard of Twitter? Why isn't Twitter in your book? And I'm like, oh my God. Well, because Twitter didn't exist when I was writing it. Facebook was only for students when I was writing it. So I realized really quickly that I had to do a new edition, and this was back in 2007. So I started planning for the new edition, which eventually came out in 2008. And constantly there's new things that happen. There's new stories I want to get into the book. 
Um, there's new ways of communicating. Um, many things are changing. So um, the other thing that's super cool is that the new rules of marketing and PR is used in hundreds of universities programs, MBA programs, marketing, communications, all kinds of different programs. And um, obviously it needs to be um, fresh and have a copyright date that's recent for the universities to adopt it. So that's another reason why I have to continually keep it updated is so that when it's used in university classrooms, it is just the freshest information that's out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. The world of marketing and communication, I mean, it's just changed at a dizzying pace and people's behaviors have changed substantially with COVID. So I can see the challenge of just the print, not just the print medium, but the whole publishing, the classic publishing cycle is being challenging when you have such current information than the time it takes to actually finish a book and get it printed out there. But um. Great, great that we've got a new one. And I think for anyone listening who's got the book, given how much things have changed, you just have to view this book like, uh, you know, like like the Ernst & Young tax guide or something. You know, you got to get the new one for the new year. You That's can't do funny. your taxes with two years ago's book. I haven't thought about it that way, but it's sort of interesting to be thinking about it that way. Um, you know, an older edition, for example, I was all excited about Google Plus. Oh, my God, Google Plus. How cool. <laughs> Google has a social network. It doesn't exist anymore. The, the social network Vine, which was a, sh a short form video service, doesn't exist anymore. At the same time, Clubhouse is brand new and TikTok has really taken off. So there's new kinds of tools that I have to constantly write about. And Howard, I mean, you and I are buddies and just among us and maybe your few thousand uh, fellow friends who are listening in on this um, the idea of doing a new book every couple of years keeps me current um, because I, I don't know about you, Howard, because you and I have been doing the same thing for a while. You know, we advise clients, we speak at conferences and so on. I kind of live in fear of being that um, person that people say, oh, he kind of knew what was going on a decade ago, but he's lost touch. I live in fear of that, Howard. <laughs> it scares the hell out of me. Um, excuse my language. So having to update this book every couple of years keeps me on my toes. You know, yeah. I don't want to like, I don't want to want to have a conversation with someone and have them say, oh, what about this? And I'm like, what's that? And like, what do you mean? What's that? What's wrong with you? So, um, so uh, a selfish reason why I love updating the book every uh, every couple of years is it, it's keeping me current. Um, so maybe I'm like the, uh, to extend your analogy, maybe I'm like the tax preparer who has to study the, <laughs> the tax laws every year so they don't make a mistake when they're filling out people's tax forms. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I share your, uh, your anxiety there. I mean, early in my career, when I was in my 20s and my career zoomed forward way farther than it would have just because I was a digital guy with right. one year of experience at a time when there was almost nobody with any experience. And so all yes. of a sudden, I was a vice president. I was moving way past where I otherwise would have been just because I just stood in the right line. You know, it was mostly just luck in terms of what I focused on. But being young then was good. You know, if you were you were you were telling I was I was 25 years old telling the 50 year olds what to do because right. no one would trust a 50 year old on what to do with digital. You know, this is 20 right. plus. So now I'm 50 something. And, and so now it's like. <laughs> Uh oh, right. I'm the old exactly. guy. So 
Yeah, we got to make sure we're uh, we're not getting uh, out knowledged by. Uh, so you know, so you know exactly where I'm coming from on that. Yeah, so um, that's super super cool. Well, let's get into the details. I know. Um, I I almost want to ask you two different questions. One is. What's what is the new stuff when you went to update the book? What are the things that people know the cutting edge stuff? And then I think it might be later be interested in talking about what are, what are the timeless components that you wrote about 15 years ago that you're still talking about? But but let's start with the fresh new stuff. What did you have to add sure. to the book? What are things people that may be behind themselves that you can help them in this next few minutes make sure that they're that they're thinking about? Well, one of the most interesting things that I'm like obsessed about right now is the idea of how you can harness the positive aspects of AI in order to um, enhance the way that you communicate. But then, and I'll talk about that for for a moment, but then there's also the negative aspects of AI um, and algorithms. and, and, And we need to all be aware of those negative aspects. So first, let's look at some of the cool positive things that are going on now. Artificial intelligence and using it on various forms of communications, marketing, public relations, and and, and writing, and so on, um, has given us the opportunity to have some really cool tools that can help make our jobs easier. In other words, it can take some of the tasks that we used to have to do um, or that people in our department had to do if we're running a larger organization um, that took time and that maybe, you know, had the potential to be um, uh, a problem because you really have to focus on getting things right. Now, I'll give you a specific example. I'm a big fan of a uh, an AI um, service that's called Lately, Lately AI. And what they do is they take long form text content or long form video content and you drop it into their AI engine and it cuts it up using AI into short form um, pieces of the same type of content. So I use that to take an entire blog post, drop it into the AI engine, and it creates tweets for me. Or I can use it to take an entire video of me speaking for an hour, drop it in. It creates short, less than a minute clips that are ready for social media. So taking a full blog post or even a chapter of a book used to take me an hour or two hours or three hours to figure out what are the 10 or 15 or 20 tweets that should go out and then putting them into Twitter and scheduling them and getting the right links and getting the right photos and so on. And it was a big task. Um, And and even worse is the task of taking a long video, figuring out what are the important bits to cut, cutting them, saving them, pushing them out on social media. And now there's tools like Lately that do that kind of thing. And there's tools that do many other aspects of figuring out uh, bits and pieces like transcribing um, of uh, of uh, something, somebody talking like this interview. I'm, I think you probably use transcription services. Those are now all AI driven. Um, and so I think AI has the potential, artificial intelligence and machine learning of being a tool that we communicators can use. I know you've talked about this before, um, but I, I, I've read a, wrote a lot about this in the new edition because um, it's no longer just us getting our brain around writing all this stuff or shooting the videos or creating the audio, but we can use these AI tools to help make us way more efficient. 
that's really valuable. I have to admit that uh, while things like transcription we've been using for a long time, I see these ads on Facebook, you know, uh, our AI tool will write your blog posts. And my first reaction, and maybe this is because I'm an old guy, yeah. is like, I'm like, yeah, I kind of doubt it. But 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 it means a lot if you're, and I know you're not talking about original writing, you're talking about editing. But the I, idea that I, an AI can really do that is exciting, although I'm I'm... I start with skepticism, but your your endorsement of it makes me go, oh, wow, I really have to take a closer look. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, uh, I'm not sure if you know, but I, my early in my career, I worked at um, financial information uh, companies. I worked for companies like Dow Jones uh, and Thomson Reuters in an early part of my career starting um, when I was when I was young, like you were talking about in my early 20s. Um, and uh, and and when you had to create a news, and I wasn't in the editorial side, I was on the marketing side, but the editorial side that would create a news story from an, an, an earnings press release that companies have to do every quarter, you had to have a human being look at the earnings press release, put the proper data into a news story for Reuters or Dow Jones to push out. All of that is now generated by AI because they can just read the press release. The AI engine can read the press release and say, okay, here is um, what their quarterly earnings are. Here's what their annual earnings are projected to be. Here's what last quarter was. Here's what last year's earnings were. And the AI, AI engine can pull that out. AI engine can then pull out what the CEO said in the form of a quote, push that all into an article, and within a second, bang, that article's out on the newswire. Um, and AI is now really good at doing something like that, but that's highly formatted. Maybe we'll get there someday that an AI engine can write a blog post for me, but it ain't happening for a long time, as far as I can tell. However, what, what I'm talking about here is a kind of a cool use case where it's taking what you've already written or what we've already spoken, and then the engine figures out what is the right one or two sentences for a tweet, uh, and what are the 10 or 5 or 10 or 15, depending on the length of the um, story you wrote, the blog post or whatever it might be, that makes sense for a tweet. And in the case of a video, and actually the technology, what it does is it takes... Um, it actually creates a real-time transcription of the audio part of, of your uh, video, runs that through the engine, finds the clips that make sense from a text-based perspective, then lines up where that part of the video is and creates that video clip and gets it ready to go out on LinkedIn or wherever you want to push it out. Um, it's The AI engine's really good at that. You still have to go in and edit, make sure it's okay, and, and, and make a tweak or two. But it way does a way, way better job than, than even just a couple years ago at, at making our life easier. And th this is just one tool. It's called Lately, but there's many other tools out there. And I found Lately to be so cool. I actually invested in the company and became an advisor because I thought it was that interesting and that cool. That's fascinating. And, and I, I think this is one of the challenges of today's marketing and PR landscape, which is that we have so many different platforms. And if you really want to be effective communicating on them, you know, like there's tools like Hootsuite that are like, hey, just put yep. your content in and I'll push it out to every platform. Well, I think the truth is, yeah, what works on Instagram is, you know, what works on LinkedIn isn't quite the same as what works on Facebook versus Instagram. Some of it's just as simple as different aspect ratios of videos and right. photos and things. And some of it's more nuanced, like the right length of copy that works well and stuff. So to the degree as we have this proliferation of platforms that we can get some help in taking right. one core idea and adapting it, that that efficiency is certainly very attractive. 
Absolutely right. Um, no, no question about it. And and I'm I'm constantly keeping my mind open for what the next steps are there. Um, in fact, um, an organization I can recommend to everybody who's thinking about this, like I'm thinking about it, is called um, the Marketing Artificial Intelligence Institute. And I also happen to be an advisor to that institute and spoke at their inaugural conference. Um, but Paul Reitzer and the team there are doing a great job at, at figuring out what are the new, new tools that are coming out. They have a bunch of research report and analysis and, and events where people like us who need to know what are the tools that are out there so we can talk about them, but also <laughs> what are the tools that we can use ourselves um, the Marketing AI Institute is a really good resource to, to kind of learn that kind of thing. So I talked about them in the book, too. Um, and um, Paul, I quoted Paul extensively in the uh, in the chapters about AI and how to use AI for marketing and public relations. Oh, that's great. And we'll make sure to put these links in the show notes as well to Lately and the Institute you just mentioned so people can easily find them. Um, so so beyond AI, are other categories of things in the new book that you wanted to make sure to include in the eighth edition? Well, let's um, let's talk about the second half of the question around just AI, and then we can move on. Sure. So I also see some significant negatives with artificial intelligence, especially the algorithms that are driven, that are driving the social networks today, and most especially the Facebook algorithm. So I think that all um, communicators, marketers, um, and everybody who's running businesses all the way up to the CEO level need to be aware that when you're communicating through social networks, um, and, and I look at, at Facebook as the biggest um, uh, company to do this in a negative way, um, the way the algorithm is driven, it, it, it breeds um, polarization. It in the, in the world of politics, it puts the blue team against the red team. Uh, it puts the people who believe that vaccinations are safe and effective against those who believe that vaccinations are not safe and effective. Um, and it, it, it makes a polarized kind of world. I believe, Howard, this is the most dangerous technology ever invented because it's not about free speech. Free speech, I'm a huge believer in. This is about algorithm-generated amplification of speech, which I do not think is a fundamental human right. And I believe that we all need to be aware of what these algorithms are doing. We need to do our own research to understand what those algorithms are doing and be aware that if your business is marketing using these tools, uh, social networking tools, that you need to be aware of how this is working. And so um, I actually wrote a lot about that in the new new edition of the New Rules of Marketing and PR. And I've written a lot about it on my blog over the last four or five years because I actually think it's a destructive technology that's really bad for the human race. I think it's that dangerous, especially Facebook, but all of the social networks are that are algorithm driven um, by definition, using mathematics to slot people into what they might want in a for-profit company has danger associated with it. Yeah, it's like that old that old quote: "The power of the press belongs to those who own one." Today, it's well, anyone can 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 publish, but if you don't have reach, then so it's less about the power of the press now; it's more about the power of the distribution. And if in order to be distributed, in order to be seen, you have to take an incendiary position, then you're really not 
that really isn't free speech, right? Because you have to conform to a certain style that may not be what you want to communicate. I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, having spent um, um, more than 10 years in the news business myself, um, I mean, I, I understand this from a number of different angles, from the technology angle, the news angle, from the marketing angle. And I really do think that it's dangerous. And we all need to pay attention to it. So that was the, the kind of caution here. Yeah. It's not yeah. all like exciting. This is new. How wonderful. We're all going forward in a great way. There, there are danger signs to it. Um, so I made sure in the new edition of the New Rules of Marketing Pair to point out some of those aspects of it. Yeah. And I'm curious, any thoughts for, for the marketer who might say, let's say someone buys into what you're saying, that it is dangerous to fall into this uh, us against them approach to content. And at the same time, Facebook and these other platforms offer potentially the greatest uh, reach in human history yeah. to, to yeah. reach people and reach targeted audience. So it's hard to just walk away from them as well and say, no, I don't want to play by their rules. Any Any tips on how to accomplish the reach without being evil? Well, it's tough um, because every time we're spending money on these platforms, we're encouraging the same kind of behavior. I do think that it's essential for every business, every marketer, in fact, every person out there to have their own real estate on the web. And what I mean by that is um, as um, social networks have taken off in the last decade, many companies, many organizations and many people have said, you know, I used to have a great website. I used to have a blog on my website. I used to publish my content on my own um, properties are kind of backing away from that and focused on publishing on social networking properties. So um, we've already talked about a number of the dangers. If you spent um, uh, you know years creating a presence on Google+, you're out of luck. Google closed it down. If you're spending a lot of time focused on Facebook, Facebook algorithm is dangerous. So my rec strong recommendation to everybody, and I wrote a lot about this, is the idea that we all need to have our own content real estate. If you're um, an individual, um, you should have your own website, your own blog, a company, focus on that website and that blog, because that's something nobody can take away from you. That's something that if the algorithm changes will will not affect you. Um, that's something that um, that people come to you and you have the ownership over the way it looks, the way it feels, how it works. And then my recommendation, quite strong recommendation, is then use the social networks to drive people to your content real estate. So I'm not suggesting you abandon all of those social networks. I myself am still using Facebook, even though um, I've been very critical about Facebook. I, I use LinkedIn, I use Twitter, I use Instagram, I'm on the platforms, but I generally post my best stuff on my own blog, my own website, and drive people to it through the social networks. I think that's great advice. And it makes me think one of the things I observed in some projects we were doing recently with big companies in the Far East is that the WeChat has become even yeah. more than I see here, uh, where companies so lean on their WeChat presence. And partly because yes. that's where their customers are going, even more so than yes. their website. But that that WeChat, it's like, oh, these videos aren't on our website. This kind is on our website. It's all on our WeChat. So that's, I think, uh, you know, internationally true in some of these other platforms as well. 
Absolutely. And a lot of that's driven because of the way that um, cell phone coverage is priced. And, and um, that's all pretty much WeChat and other services similar to it are priced based on um, the fact that it, it, you can use a mobile phone to get at it, but it's done through Wi-Fi as opposed to the cell network. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that. Um, all right. Great. Well, this is, this is great stuff. Anything else in the new category that you want to talk about before we move on to a little bit of, of what's, uh, what's evergreen? What are the principles that haven't changed? Um, so what I did uh, as well is I, I have a lot of great new stories that I love to share. Um, you know, it's a, the, my books are all of my books are story driven. You know, I, I talk about what I believe, but then I let someone who has achieved success using that idea um, talk about it in their own words through the story that I share about their success. And in your kind introduction, Howard, you mentioned the newsjacking, which is a concept I pioneered. Um, more than a decade ago. It's basically when you understand how a news story breaks. And as I mentioned a couple of times, I worked in the news business for more than a decade. News stories break in real time and reporters are looking when a news story is breaking for someone who has expertise around the topic of that news story. And especially if it's something new or something that people hadn't thought of, what I call serendipity, um, happy accidents, a news story is breaking around your area of expertise, then that's an opportunity to create content in the form of a blog post, YouTube video, whatever it might be, that then can you can either share with the media directly through Twitter or other social networks or in a press release, or they can find when they're looking for someone who's got that expertise. So one of my favorite new stories in the book, a brand new story for the new eighth edition of the New Rules of Marketing PR, is a story about newsjacking. And it's from a lawyer and his name is um, Russ Alexander. And so he's a lawyer in, um, in uh, Canada. And in the Toronto area, he's got a number of different offices and he's a specialist in family law. So there's where the expertise comes in. He's an expert in family law. Um, and he, he saw me speak at a Tony Robbins event back in January of 2020, one of the last events I did before the pandemic shut everything down. And what Russ realized is that when the pandemic hit, it had tremendous um, meaning to his area of expertise, this idea of family law, because uh, one of the things he focuses on, on are things like custody around children of divorced parents. Now, what happens, Russ said to himself in um, February and March of 2020, what happens when one member of a divorced couple wants their child to go to in-person school, another of the, of, the, of the divorced parents says, no, I want my child to go. I don't want my child to go meet people in person. I want them to attend virtual school. There was no law written around that. And reporters and editors were beginning to write stories around that. So what Russ Alexander did was he decided, based on learning about newsjacking in one of my presentations, he decided that he was going to become the expert on COVID-19 and family law. So he read up, he went to um, the courthouses where these decisions were being um, argued and, and decided by the judge. He then created a COVID-19 and divorce information center on his website. He created blog posts on his website. He created YouTube videos and posted them as embed links on his website. His website 
at russellalexanderlawfirm.com. Um, I forget his exact URL, but Russell Alexander. It became the number one place in Canada to learn about the aspects of COVID-19 and family law. Then it generated tons of media attention because he became the go-to expert. He was interviewed many times in the Globe and Mail, the most important newspaper in Canada, CTV, the most important television station in Canada, magazines, newspapers, radio, all interviewed him. And I spoke with him a couple months ago and he goes, David, it's been so important to my business because I'm actually growing. He said he grew by 30% last year. When other lawyers were, were actually slowing down, he had to hire five new attorneys just to handle the business. And so what this, this is a number of different things we've talked about rolled into one. It's the idea of newsjacking. So it's the idea that when you have an area of expertise, and we all do, we all have an area of expertise, either ourselves or for our business, Push that out when the moment is right, when the media is interested in that area of expertise. That's called newsjacking. Second thing, push it all onto your own content real estate, which is what Russ did, the COVID-19 and Family Law Information Center. Then have the media find you or reach out to the media, generate interest among the media, and then that will, that will serve to drive new customers, which will then want to do business with you. So I love this example of all uh, kind of combination of some of the things I talk about in the book. And it's um, one of the, the newer stories in this new edition that I love the most is because anybody can do this. I can do this. You can do this. Anybody who's listening or watching in on this discussion can take advantage of this idea of of putting out content at the right moment when the news is breaking in an area that you've got expertise around. Yeah, I love that example. And, and it's something that I learned from you years ago, which is that, you know, it's not about always waiting for the news to come to you and say, well, I'm not an expert at that. It's saying, oh, wait a minute, you know, I, I can extend my expertise. This is adjacent to my space or I can spin this or find a way that it relates to what I do so that all of a sudden I am relevant to the news cycle. And that yeah. idea, I think that's such a key idea that I think a lot of people, they don't think about. They don't. And the traditional, you know this, the traditional PR job has always been to then to write a press release or talk about something when the company is ready. Oh, we've got a new product. Let's do a press release. Or, oh, we just, um, you know, you're just doing our, um, um, our, our new, con our conference is coming. So let's get the word out about our conference. What newsjacking does is it completely flips it around. It's not pushing out news when you're ready. It's pushing out your expertise when the reporters are eager to find you, it's completely different. And there are so few organizations that do this, that if you do it like Russ Alexander did, did it, um, or other examples I share in the book, then you have the potential to generate tons of new business the way that Russ was able to. That's great. I I have so many questions about it. And I know we have limited remaining time, but I want to ask you two questions. First of all, any advice about process? Like, does a company need to have, it, it seems like the kind of thing I could see some company saying, David, that's a good idea. But if it's like nobody's job to be constantly yeah. going away, what's in the news right now? How can we sort of find an angle? Any thoughts about what you've seen work well from a process perspective? And I'll ask my second question. You can answer whatever order you want. And then creating your own content around these topics makes sense. 
I wonder, are press releases dead or what's the what's the best way if the media is not yet finding you, even though you've created content on that topic, you consider Newsjack content. What's the best way to connect with the media today? So um, um, let me answer the second one first. And then if I forget the first one, we can come back to it. Um, So firstly, um, I think when you have something you want to get out there, um, my recommendation, as I said earlier, push it, put it on your own website. You want to drive people to your real estate. So that can be the news section of your website. It can be your blog. Um, you know, some other place that you own the real estate to. That's super important. Then you can use social networks to get the word out there. I recommend seeing if there's a hashtag that is beginning to develop around that news story. And if it's a breaking news story, sometimes that will happen is there'll be a hashtag that will uh, start to develop on Twitter. Especially Twitter is important because the members of the media are active on Twitter. So you want to be pushing um, the link back to your blog or your press release onto t- uh, on Twitter if appro- using appropriate hashtags if they exist. And if you are running a full-blown public relations department and you have relationships with the media and you have put out a timely s- Uh, a timely piece of content based on a piece of breaking news, I definitely recommend it might be worthwhile to do a press release and it might be worthwhile to send an email to your list of reporters because now all of a sudden you you have something that they are likely to be interested in and you need to get the word out. Um, I know some people have had good success with tracking Um, reporters on Twitter and what are they writing about? And when you find people who are writing about the thing that you're an expert in, keep that Twitter ID um, in a list somewhere. And then when you have one of these opportunities, tag them, tag them on a store on on your um, press release or your blog post and and they might they might become interested in it. Um, Back to your first question. um, I think what's really important to recognize is that real time communications, real time media relations, the idea of newsjacking, immediacy is critically important. Tomorrow is too late. Three hours from now could even be too late. So you need to develop within your organization the um, a process where it is um, accepted and agreed to that when there is an opportunity, we can react in real time. Because what, what, in my experience, an opportunity to do newsjacking doesn't happen at a convenient time. It happens at an inconvenient time. It's not going to happen at three o'clock in the afternoon when everyone's in their office waiting to to approve your newsjacking opportunity. It'll be at night. It'll be on a weekend. It'll be on um, a holiday. You know, it'll be when the boss is on vacation. I mean, you've so you've got to have the um, process in place. Now, I know a lot of organizations, many, almost all big organizations have a crisis communications plan. What is a crisis communications plan? It's like something that was developed five years ago by a PR agency. It's in a thick notebook and it says, here's what's going to happen if, if, um, if we're in crisis, if, if there's a, something that's really badly affecting the business. Um, 
I think people need a real-time communications plan, too, that's not a dusty binder that sits on a shelf somewhere, but instead is a working document, um, a working understanding that says these five people, 10 people, or however many people make sense, have the authority to be able to push something out on our Twitter feed or push something out onto the blog or create a press release without having to run things up the food chain or, or at least be able to do it with one or two people to look at it very, very quickly. And then you have people's cell phones um, so that you can communicate with them instantly because it's going to happen at an inconvenient time and you have to be fast. There are not that many organizations set up for this. There are organizations set up to be fast during a crisis, but not very many organizations are set up to be fast during um, an opportunity to generate interest among the media and potentially new business. Um, and so um, another part of your question was who has the responsibility to watch for the news? I think a number of people should be thinking about real-time communications on a regular basis. Now, what I personally do and what I re recommend to people is on your mobile phone, just four, five, six times a day, just scan the news feed. Uh, I happen to like Google News. I turn all the personalization off because I want to find a story that I never expected to appear. Um, I use also Google News on my um, on my desktop, my notebook computer as well. And, and it only takes two or three minutes, three or four or five times a day to peek at what's going on in the news to be able to understand if there's a story that might make sense for me to push something out about in real time. Um, I actually found one that I wanted to talk about today, as a matter of fact, as we're recording this, Howard, it is the 50th anniversary tomorrow of the um, landing on the moon of Apollo 16. And I know Charlie Duke, the 10th man to walk on the moon. Um, I actually went on a zero G flight with him a couple of months ago. So I'm going to push something out tomorrow. Maybe actually might even might put a, push it out today. Um, on my blog that references the 50th anniversary of Apollo 16, which I never would have known had I not seen it pop up on my newsfeed. Yeah, well, that's great. And it makes the point that some of these things are predictable. It, I mean, you could have known, someone could know that three months ahead of time. I could have planned out for, for that. Things. And yeah. you, you know the Super Bowl is coming. You know the U.S. presidential election is coming. You know that the World Cup um, soccer is coming. Right. Um, you know that Wimbledon is coming. You know the Oscars are coming, whatever it is. That is true. And I could have remembered that the um, anniversary was coming up. But the ones that really have the potential to make your um, business explode because you're out there in front of it are the, are the ones that you never, ever saw coming. Yeah. When you mentioned that, it reminded me of something I've heard you talk about before about the Super Bowl in New Orleans, uh, which I, I actually was there. <laughs> Because we were doing work for the NFL when the power went out. And I think it was oh, Oreo, right. Oh, Oreo, you were, right? You were there. I didn't realize you were there. That's super yeah, interesting. Yeah. I was there. And we're, we all thought it was terrorism. <laughs> it was a scary moment. But um, but uh, on the lighter side then, I think it was, was it Oreo? Was it the example you yeah, gave? Yeah, it was I Oreo. Think, you know? They said you can, you can still dunk in the dark. And that was um, possibly still the most famous example of newsjacking. And I had already started talking about newsjacking when they did that. Um, so it was a cool example for me to share. But, um, you know, the power goes out in the Super Bowl and everyone's like, what's going on? But Oreo as a brand um, immediately on Twitter pushed out something that was a, a real time 
Um, it was a, an image. It was a, a great a photo and a graphic, and they push it out instantly, which was super cool. So at least someone empowered, and to your point, not a convenient time, right? Sunday evening. It was not a convenient party. time. It was right. not a convenient time, and they. I give them a ton of credit that they were ready to do it, and they were they pushed that out right away. Hundred percent. Well, uh, it pains me to say we have reached the end of our wow. allotted time. That was fast. Uh, yes, I knew this was going to happen. So much to talk let about. Let me let me just let me just spend thirty seconds. Sure. What what has not changed? Absolutely. Um, the new rules of marketing and PR I wrote because. The old rules of marketing and PR was you had to spend money on advertising to generate attention. You had to convince the media to talk about you to generate attention, or you had to hire a team of salespeople to generate attention. Now, if those are still working for you, fine. You can still spend money in ads and, and have a team of people to reach the media and a bunch of people selling for you. But what works tremendously well is to create content online. Um, that's what I call the new rules of marketing and PR. That has not changed in the 20 years I've been talking about this or the 15 years since the new rules of marketing and PR has been around. Great. And uh, as I was about to say, given our, our limited time here, this is why David has written an entire book on the topic, which, of course, <laughs> we could never get through all the knowledge that he has to share on this topic in a 30-minute podcast. So I definitely want to encourage everyone to pick up a copy. And David, can you uh, let people know where would you want them to go? Uh, is there a website for the book or do you want to send them to write to Amazon? Where, where should they go if they want to learn more about you, they want to learn more about the book, get a copy, et cetera? So um, uh, one of the things I talk about is search engine optimization. I am the only David Meerman Scott in the entire world. So if you Google me, you get me and only me. I've been using my middle name for now 20 years because there are so many David Scotts out there. So there's actually a, a new rule right there is make sure that people can find you. Um, so just Google my name. You'll find me on most social networks. I am DM Scott, D-M-S-C-O-T-T. New Rules of Marketing and PR, whatever bookstore you love, please buy it there. Well, I uh, couldn't agree with that more. Thank you, David, so much for being here. This was fantastic, dense insight in our in our time we had today. So I really appreciate that. And Thank you. Uh, thanks to all of you, as always, for listening and watching to the Winning Digital Customers podcast. Look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, keep transforming. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Winning Digital Customers, the podcast. Find more great episodes at wdcpodcast.captivate.fm on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you listen. And visit winningdigitalcustomers.com to learn more about the Wall Street Journal bestselling book that inspired the podcast.